0: This is Hungry Gen Podcast, and I just want to thank you for joining us today. Here at HG, our vision is to see thousands saved locally and millions globally. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Go with me to Matthew chapter fourteen, and this is the miracle that's been recorded in all the four Gospels. You probably have heard it uh, in the Sunday school, and you have probably have taught it yourself. And so, but we're going to look at this scripture right now, how it applies to the vision. Of our house and how it applies to the role you can play in this vision. Matthew 14 and verse 13. And when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by the boat into a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. I want you to notice if you believe underlining the Bible is not sin, Jesus sees multitudes. He sees nations. He sees the world. God is not a little God. God is not a trying to just build a religion. He is the creator of heaven and the earth, and He loves every human being. And every human being has a value in His eyes. They are made in His image and likeness, and He loves everyone. Now, my grandma has, and she is right here, uh, Grandma Maria. Everybody say hi, hi, hi to Grandma Maria. She's looking up. Where she's like, she's like. She has 16 children, one husband, and I have to make that uh, uh, my grandpa already passed, passed on to glory. Um, and imagine my grandma's 16 children going on a, a vacation, they didn't do vacations though so I'm just saying imagine because <laughs> at the time when they grew up this was, a, this was not possible. And imagine my grandma going with 16 children on the vacation. On the way back from the vacation, they realized halfway through it that five kids are missing. Lost them somewhere on the rest area. Imagine my grandma looking to my grandpa and saying, not a big deal, we still got 10 here. Good success rate actually. If you look at the percentage level, 5 out of 15, I mean still good number, majority is still with us. Now it's funny, But no parent will ever look at their family through percentages. Why? Because you don't do math on kids. Every one of them matters. In fact, if you would only lose one kid out of 15, what you would do is you would create a chaos, right? You will go back your schedule will be thrown out of the way, out of the window. You will try to find that one kid. Why? Because you don't, I mean, we even do that with wallets. You lose a wallet and you go and turn the house over, look for a wallet, right? We do that with car keys and we do that with children. So I want you to notice that when God looks at the Tri-Cities, He does not think and look at Tri-Cities through math. Oh, 10% goes to church. Hallelujah. We're winning, Jesus. No, God looks at Tri-Cities and even if one person does not know Him, one person is hurting and suffering, God will leave the 99 and go for the one. So God loves you so much and you may say, I don't want God, I don't want to be with God. Please understand He doesn't have the luxury of looking at our city through percentages. He loves every single human being because they are made in His image and likeness. Every human being that is far from God today, that lives in sin, please understand, I know we have advancement in technology. I know we have advancement in science. I know we have advancement. Our phones are smarter. Our cars are faster. Everything is better, but sin is still sin. Sin did not change to becoming less sinful. The devil has not stopped being less devil demons have not stopped tormenting people sickness still hurts people depression still hurts people addiction still destroys people whether they are poor or rich homeless or millionaires sin is still the same demons are still the same and God is still the only solution and his son Jesus Christ and therefore when God looks at our generation when he's looking at you right now when he's looking at you right now and hundreds and thousands of people he is moved with compassion he's a father. What you call in our community, oh they're gay people, they're trans people, oh they're just don't love God people, they they don't want to do anything with God, they're rebels, they're heathens, they're deconstructed. See we have the ability to label people. When you're a parent you don't label kids, you hurt for them, you bleed for them, you suffer and I want us today to not have a view of a Christian, but have a view of the Father toward our city and not to think like disciples did. The Bible says Jesus had compassion on the multitudes. Jesus, why? Because that's exactly why the father and the mother would go back to whatever they left their child and look for one. That's exactly what you would do when you lose a wallet. That's exactly what you would do when you lose keys. You go and you look for that stuff. The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes for one. The Bible says he saw the multitudes. The scripture says he had compassion on the multitudes. And the thirdly, he said he healed the multitudes. Your therapist, your doctor, medication, they all have their limits. Only the Creator can fix what is broken. Only Jesus, what you heard today, He can deliver the captives. You can have a program on your computer that tries to control your urges, but only Jesus can help you be delivered from them. You can go to a psychiatrist to help you, you know, deal with your feelings, but only Jesus can help you to find forgiveness in spite of all of that. And maybe you're here today and and the world can help you to manage your sin. Only Jesus delivers us from it. I want to challenge you today to let you know that Jesus is not outdated because advancement in technology, advancement in medicine and advancement in everything. I mean the stuff that how, how amazing that the stuff we have in our world today with cars and technology and science is incredible. None of it have come closer one degree to solve the sin problem. None of them. There's only one name that can do that and that is Jesus. You can have a fast car you can have a smartphone and still be in need of Jesus Christ why because none of that can fix a problem of sin and I want you to notice this that Jesus heals the multitudes he has compassion on the multitudes and he sees the multitudes there's one more thing he cannot do without his disciples and that is he can't feed the multitudes without them and so disciples come to Jesus with this brilliant idea. If we go to verse 15, we're going to do a little bit of Bible reading today. Verse 15 says, When it was evening, that means it's coming, it's getting late. When it was evening, His disciples came to Him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Great idea. Jesus we're tired, Jesus um, it's been enough and this is Paschal, our sanctuary fits 200 people. We can't do anything more, send the multitudes away. Let's wait for the new building. So I want to speak just briefly into our church right now. We have to be very careful that we don't make our Kenwick building into an idol. By postponing revival until we move into Kenwick. We have to be very careful that we don't allow people, new people to come to know Jesus because we're waiting for the new Kenwick building to be finished. From now until next year Christmas in this year and a half or two years we can see thousands of new people being healed and delivered. Jesus is not in heaven and saying, oh, I'm going to hold on with healing, I'm going to hold on with deliverance, and I'm going to hold on until you guys finish building. And many times we have this attitude, I'll be honest with you, I relate with disciples because I would be like saying, Jesus, we really can't do anything right now because we don't want to do like a fourth service. We're tired with three services, doing one more is just exhausting. Jesus also there's no other place we can rent because we, we checked out Pasco High District and they're not available for us to use their facility we went to Kenwick High School District but you know it's going to be a nightmare with children's church and all of this stuff so there's just Jesus we just need to could you keep the people away from our church for the next two years until we get into a new building but see Jesus doesn't think like that we have to understand is that that's how we think why because we love mediocrity. We love convenience. A guy was fishing one time and every time that he caught a big fish he put it back into the lake. A guy next to him was fishing, noticed that so he had a question, why do you do that? So he came up to him and he said, listen I've noticed you're fishing but you're throwing all the big fish into the lake, what's the problem? He says, oh it's a very simple problem, at home I have a small frying pan. So he's like, if the fish doesn't fit the frying pan, I have to put it back into the lake. And the guy's like, well, have you ever thought about buying a bigger frying pan? He's like, no, it's way too expensive. And that's how many of us are. We simply postpone what God wants to do to another season. Why? Because we have a small frying pan. Now in the beginning, we're saying, no Vlad, we don't have a small frying pan. We have a small facility. But see, the problem is not a lot of times with facility. The problem is with our mindset. And the problem is with our convenience, if you're taking notes, write a few things down. One of them is there is no compassion in convenience. Compassion will take you out of convenience and convenience will take you out of your calling. Anybody who's ever done parenting, you know one thing, convenience cannot be your number one goal. You can't raise children in convenience. Children will create inconvenience. Because you cannot have compassion if you're addicted to convenience. So what happens is when we want to fulfill the calling of God in our life as a church or as Christians, we must understand there's going to be a cost. And a lot of times the cost is not you dying on the cross and many of us are like, man, I'll die for Jesus. Can you endure inconvenience for Jesus? Because Jesus isn't asking you to be nailed to the cross today. He's just asking you to endure a little bit of inconvenience. And for disciples, that inconvenience was simply, uh, we're going to miss our bedtime. And that means we're going to stick around with people for about five more hours. And we really want to go home. I really want to hit my pillow. I really want to have, you know, my mom cook my food. I really don't want to stay with these people for another four hours. It's a little bit of inconvenience that I have to endure. And Jesus's compassion causes him not to be addicted to convenience. Convenience Convenience is not bad, but please understand don't let convenience rob you from your calling. You cannot fulfill your calling and live in convenience. You cannot have compassion and be addicted to convenience. You cannot be mature and be addicted to convenience. Because the first thing the love of God will do in your life is to break you out of your convenience. I don't want to park at the Seventh-day Advent church. Convenience issue, we don't want to have another service in the gym. I don't want to sit in the service and watch the guy on the screen. Convenience problem. It's interesting, I just got a testimony right here of a person who watched the video last week about homosexuality. He was a Christian married to a gay man going to church, watched the video and God convicted him so much he left this comment and then reached out to me personally and got divorced with his homosexual husband the next day. A video. If our ministry touches the world through video, God can use even the video to touch people's lives. But see for a lot of us it's not that God can't move, it's that there is a there is a small frying pan called a limited mentality but this limited mentality is pushing hearts of Jesus into Jesus you have to conform to my convenience Jesus please reduce your big vision to the level of my comfort Jesus come on you got to consider my feelings what would happen if Jesus would have chose convenience instead of the cross What would happen if instead of coming becoming an embryo growing in the womb of a Mary being delivered and growing learning to walk the God who made feet learns to walk the God who made the globe learns to sleep and and do all of this stuff what would happen if Jesus would say that's not convenient the cross that's not convenient I am so glad he didn't choose convenience he chose my salvation And therefore today, if I have to embrace a little bit of discomfort to express His compassion to a dying world, which means if I need to come in a little bit early, if I need to go a little bit later, if I need to give all my resources, I would do it with pleasure. Why? Because compassion cannot live in a heart addicted to convenience. I cannot fulfill my calling if I am addicted to convenience. I have to be in love with Jesus Christ and His heart has to impress mine, stretch my heart and even if I don't care about souls I spend my life at the feet of Jesus and Jesus pours out the love of the Father into my heart by the Spirit and I begin to think of souls and I begin to think of the price I can pay so that I can have the compassion of Jesus, stretch my heart and so I can see revival through my life today. preaching to myself. Can somebody say amen? Not to the part that I'm preaching to myself but to the part about convenience. Convenience says there are many obstacles. Compassion says this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. There is a loss, there is a cost of overcoming challenges that we have on our way but church there is also a greater cost of a lost opportunity of seeing miracles, young people being raised and us, in a year and a half, seeing hundreds of people going from darkness to light, going from sickness to healing, going from being demonized to being delivered. Pastors who left ministry, people who deconstructed from Christianity, finding their faith again, because we refuse to be addicted to convenience. The big idea at the root of all of this exists this, what the church is, the church is about you or is the church through you to the world? Because if the church is about me, then it's about my convenience. But if the church is about His vision, then I have to be willing, if necessary, lay my convenience at the altar and pick up His compassion for the world. So why are we going into a fourth service? Because right now we have no choice and we feel obligated to Jesus to live out his mission as a church in these last days to reach more people for him the other part I have a feeling I could be hundred percent wrong so I'm just going to say what if the fourth service will also be the fifth service in the gym what if before we move into a new building we will have another campus in Richland next year What if, when we move into a Kenwick building, there will be a Pasco campus, Richland campus and Kenwick. What if, something new is happening? See, the devil showed up at the Grammys and God showed up at the university. Woke garbage showed up at our movie theaters. So did Jesus' revolution and come out in Jesus' name next month. It's almost like God is saying, God is flexing His muscles and saying, I'm going to raise faceless, nameless. I'm going to raise young people. I'm going to fill them with power. And in this hour, in this day and age, they will make a difference. There's a lot of churches that have multi-campuses around the United States. But our church, I'm not saying we're better, we're just different. And there is a hunger for the move of the holy spirit for deliverance for the miracles with bible teaching with discipleship that's around the world we're meeting these people everywhere today what if all this is a setup for launching a bible college online for people to be discipled and open their homes, like in the Bible, for revival where these services that we have here will not only be streamed to a gymnasium somewhere in Richland, but to somebody's home in California, somebody's home in Toronto, somebody's home in Texas, and then these homes could become hubs and then they could become campuses. We were given prophetic words when we only had 20 of us here that churches will be started like popcorn. We laughed at that and we looked at that word like Sarah did when angel of God or the Lord says you will be pregnant. She's <laughs> ha that was funny and God made her seed laughter, Isaac means laughter but not in the mocking laughter but in the laughter word. this was impossible but it became possible. What if God is setting us up and preparing and maybe we wouldn't think of these ideas ourselves but sometimes when God presents a problem, He allows the problem to come in and there is no other solution except you have to explore something that is innovative, something that is different and God says I can do a miracle with that. You thought this was an obstacle but actually it's an opportunity. You thought this was a limitation but actually it's an invitation for me to do something that I always wanted to do. I wanted you to get to your bottom so that I can get all the glory. Use your five loaves and two fish to multiply my power, my effectiveness, my glory and to touch the world. Amen. And so what begins to happen then is disciples say of course we don't want to do it. Jesus says verse 16 they do not need to go away, you give them something to eat. And at one of those mornings, this is the verse that threw the bottom off of my feet. It wrecked me where I felt the Lord say, I'm not concerned with your building. I'm concerned with people. I will give the funds for the building but that building is a tool. That building is not the goal. They do not need to go away, meaning we can't tell people honestly, forgive me for the language I'm going to say. You guys can go to hell or come back until we get a new building. God doesn't want us to think like that. They do not need to go away. You find a solution. You find an answer. So God throws the challenge to us because a limitation is time for innovation. It's time for, it's an invitation. God is saying we can work together. I can figure out a solution. So what can we do? So there are three things I want to leave you with. Number one, is I already have mentioned this, alluded to this earlier, is that our limitation is actually an invitation for God to do a miracle. And God can do this miracle if we submit this instead of make excuses. And maybe you're here today and you have limitation. You have lack of this, lack of that. Not enough of this, not enough of this. No, not connected, not having enough resources, I don't have enough money, I, I, I wasn't born on the right tracks, whatever the excuse is. And that's what the excuse I said, our sanctuary is too small. Nothing, nobody's renting, we, we can't find any other place. And then, you know, when we were in Columbia, kind of calling Pasco district, Kenwick district, calling different churches, Seventh-day Adventist churches as well, because they don't meet on Sundays, looking at everything. And then I remember me and Ilya looked at each other and we said, wait, we have a gym, it fits 200 people. Why don't we use it? I mean, it's not ideal, nor did five loaves and two fish was ideal. But it was enough for Jesus to do something. And when we started to pray and say, okay, what if this limitation is actually the Lord inviting us and say, think outside of the box. What if your personal limitation right now, what would happen if instead of you come up with an excuse why nothing can happen in your life, you actually find some faith. And you say, I can't do it. This is not enough to meet the need. This is not enough. But it's actually just enough in the hands of my master. What could he do with it? I know what I could do. Absolutely nothing. Eat and I'll be hungry again in two hours. And if you're a teenager, in 30 minutes. But what could Jesus do with it? I will never know until I try. And the Bible says this, We have here only five loaves and two fish, only, meaning it's not enough. Again, it's not enough for us, but it's enough in the hands of Jesus. That's one of the reasons why in two weeks from now, the first Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we will go into a three-day fast as a church. Why? Because every territory we go physically, we first go spiritually. This is God's work. Jesus wants to advance His kingdom. It's not about us. Nor is this about these buildings. If God could use a university at Asbury, He can use our gymnasium. He can use this auditorium. He can use us. Can somebody say Amen? The second thing I want you to notice is verse 18. Very short verse. Jesus says, bring them here to me. So the first thing I mentioned is that our limitation is an invitation for God to do a miracle. The second thing that I want to mention and that is stress does not produce supernatural, surrender does. Stressing over the fact that you have very little, complaining over the fact that God didn't give you enough, comparing your little with somebody else's, feeling inadequate doesn't produce miracles. Tears don't produce miracles. But you know what produces miracles? Not complaining, but surrendering what you do have. 100% it's not enough. But God isn't looking for a lot. Supernatural is God adding His super to your natural. And God never compares your natural with your neighbor's natural. He says, yours is enough if you surrender it to me. The little that you have is enough if you give it to me. The little time that you have, the little talents that you have, the little gifts that you have, if you give it to me then I will do the rest. Now one thing that I want to highlight here is this, Jesus did not tell the boy, because in John chapter 6 it says it was the lad who had the five loaves and to fish, it wasn't the disciples, Jesus did not tell the boy to go and feed the multitudes with five loaves and to fish, Jesus told the boy to give those loaves and fish to him and He's the one that did the miracle. Something I want to highlight to people that are serving at the local church, people that are giving the local church, and people that are giving of their gifts and talents. It's important that you realize you are not serving people when you're serving people. You're pleasing God. Let me say that again. When you're serving people, you're pleasing God if you miss the God component in serving people you will always be disappointed you bring it to God first when we gave our funds to the building it wasn't to the building come on we know the better we brought it to God when we show up here and we serve on the parking lot when we serve in the kids ministry when the worship team serves very early we are not doing it for people we're first and foremost doing it for God So when people will not like it, when people will not receive it, it doesn't throw us off. We will continue to do it. Why? Because it's God we're seeking to please. Now if you're doing it only so that you can impress people, please people, service people, and they will take a bite out of your loaf and say, "Eh, this is not cooked really well. You will get discouraged. You say, look at these people. They don't like what I have. Look at the, I got church hurt. That's it. I'm deconstructing. I'm walking away from Christian faith, why they just, they just did not accept me, the church did not provide a place for my gifts to shine, the church did not treat me well, other people didn't treat me well and the hurt begins to build up, why? Because you miss the component that it goes to Jesus first, Jesus does something with it, gives you back in a broken form and then you give it to the people. I've been in ministry, in the full-time ministry for 20 years and I can tell you one thing and you guys can testify everybody who's been in the church for a long time the church is full of imperfect people church is a place where it attracts immature people and one of them is you one of them is me who are in process of sanctification church is full of people just like your family crazy one that's so is the church just a larger one imagine your crazy family multiplied by a hundred that's what church is Bunch of crazy people. Now they look all nice on Instagram and they look all nice on Sunday morning. That's why some of you are afraid to go to a small group so they don't find that you're crazy. <laughs> and some of you, you're afraid to go to a small group so that you don't find out who else is crazy. Because if you're crazy doesn't like, you're, they're crazy, we're going to have a really a lot of crazy. But see what keeps you grounded in the church is if you fix your eyes and giving your five loaves and two fish, not to Peter, not to John, not to Bartholomew, not to other disciples and not to the crowd but you bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus it's you I'm giving this to. Lord I'm preaching to please you. Lord I'm guiding cars in the parking lot to please you. Lord I emptied my bank account to please you for the building fund. Lord I suffer for you. Lord I'm doing this for you. Use me for the people Lord but it's you that I'm trying to please. When Jesus was dying on the cross may I remind you in the garden of Gethsemane he didn't say Father I can't wait to get beaten. Father, could we make this go faster? I can't wait to get whipped. No, he didn't say that. You know why? Because he didn't want to die. You know what he did? To please the Father. I don't believe that he did just because he absolutely loved to be beaten. He did it because he really wanted to honor and to fulfill his father's request. So I want to challenge you. Sometimes ministry will get you to a garden of Gethsemane where you honestly don't want to do it, where your motivation fizzles out and the reason why it fizzles out is because the motive, that fuels motivation is wrong. What is the motive? To be seen, to, to explore my gifts, to touch the world. All of that is great until you reach garden of Gethsemane all of that is great until the very people you're trying to please don't seem to appreciate acknowledge and honor and the devil fills your mind with thoughts drop it it's not worth it you know you're not even doing anything worthwhile nobody appreciates it nobody's rewarding it but see if you keep going back on your knee and you're saying what Jesus did father it's not my will but Lord is that what you want me to do if the answer is yes I will gladly take the cross I will gladly deny myself and I will walk after you Jesus serving the world for you Lord amen so this vision that Jesus has we have to look at what we have is enough for Jesus to use secondly we bring it first to the Lord You bring your gifts to the Lord. Some of you brought your gifts to the church but you didn't bring them to God. You came to church and you want Vlad to notice you and he did notice you, just there's nothing I can do. You have to bring it to God. But I want want him to notice it. No you don't. Because it is God who will take the little that you have and he will break it and he will sanctify it and he will return you back, that thing, and then now it will begin to do miracles. It will begin to change people's lives. Amen. And the last thing i want you to notice is that jesus takes the bread he multiplies it gives it back to the disciples and i want you to see this in verse 19. he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass he took the five loaves and two fish looking up to heaven he blessed and broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples and disciples gave it to the multitudes and they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained now those who have eaten were five thousand men besides women and children and the last thing that i want to share with you and that is this is that god will increase what we have he will multiply what is given away not what is stored away when Jesus blessed the five loaves and two fish they still didn't multiply he only broke them they only multiplied when the disciples gave those loaves away you can be gifted and anointed and you can be called by God and that calling will not increase until You serve, give, exercise. For example, all of us have muscles. Some of us, they're buried under deep layer of tons of other substance that even fasting couldn't break through. (laughs) You don't come to God and say, Lord, give me muscles. You typically go to the gym and you exercise the muscles that you have and they increase. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a lot of you already have received gifts you don't even know you have. They're just buried under the layer of excuses and laziness. They're buried under the layer, ah, I don't have what it takes. Ah, I'm just not, my body is not made like this. I'm just, you know, just, just my body, my body, my body. And you keep blaming your body. But in reality, if you're only seeing Cheetos and you don't see the gym, don't blame your body. It's your choices. Same thing with spiritual, exactly same thing with ministry and spiritual gifts. People say exactly the same thing. Ah, just God didn't give me enough gifts. I'm just, God didn't call me to be that. I just, you just, ah, just, but in reality, all of that is just a bunch of excuses. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you are speaking in other tongues, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you already have so much more in you than you realize. But the, it's like a muscle. You don't just come and say, Lord, give me more because it's okay, pray for you. got another prophecy. It's like same thing as you saying, okay I'm gonna subscribe to a fitness instructors and every night I will watch fitness videos. Therefore I'm going to have bigger muscles by watching fitness videos. So you watch the first day, you watch 20 fitness videos. After that you just feel worse about yourself. The second day you're depressed. The third day I am not wired to be fit because you don't become fit by watching videos. You become fit by exercising. You don't become powerful when God breaks the five lows and says, look at you, have it. Yeah, I gave you five. You gave me 10, but because you broke it, Jesus, I need a miracle, not for you to break it. Yes, but multiplication does not happen when I break it. It happens when you give it. I blessed it you can multiply it by releasing it but if you bury that talent in the ground it will remain one. If you store that in your savings account you will only get an interest rate of your bank's account but if you begin to give away you will begin to see the increase and multiplication. People sometimes ask, well how do I grow in my spiritual gifts? My friend you have to start with little. If the little that you have, hey, I can help with children. Do you know how much help we need a children's ministry? For those of you who may be like, oh, but I'm too anointed for children's ministry. Well, that's a problem. But pastor, you don't understand. I have a gift, a powerful gift. That means you can guide cars in the traffic. No, no, no. I need something bigger than that. Well, you can do that in the lobby then, guide people in the lobby. No, I need something with the podium. See, then you're not looking for a dark place to shine in. You are looking for a place that has light so you can shine in. Light does not need well-lit stage. Light lights up the dark places. You are a light. Your gift is an answer to somebody. You need to find a need and fill it. Water the Bible says that those who believe out of their innermost will flow rivers of water. That means that God is looking for you to have an outlet, not just to have an inflow. Many Christians have become bottles. They received from God, received from God. Jesus broke it, multiplied, blessed it and give it. And they're not seeing any results because the water has to come out. But I want you to notice it's the water that's coming out, not rocks. Have you noticed rocks are stubborn? A rock comes into the room and says, if you don't open the room, the door my size, I'm not getting out. That's how so many people are. They come in, they're like, I can only do this in the church and that's it. I only have this gift. I have this education and I have this gift. I cannot do anything else. Really? Like you can't like sweep? You can't like clean? No. See, the Bible says the what will flow out of you is water. Water is flexible. It's fluid. You don't have to open the door for water. A crack will do. That means that we have to be flexible to serve where the need is, I started on the worship team. Thankfully they kicked me out. But I would not know that leading worship wasn't part of my gift until I wouldn't get into that room. I've tried other things. People sometimes say, how do you get better at preaching? By preaching more. Studying more and preaching more. When I was in my younger days as a youth pastor most people don't realize I preached at least about three times a week. was like, yeah, but I want to preach three times a week. Nobody's giving that to me. Jail does. Homeless shelter does. Uh, Parks don't have signs says don't preach. Uh, YouTube does and a lot of us what we do is again, we're like rocks stiff if you don't open the door nobody loves the gift nobody allows that no no no. just just give what you have where you can give and it will begin to grow and it will begin to multiply and then God will begin to open opportunities and God will begin to bless you and give you his grace and so instead of coming to church and saying is there a room for my gift you simply say is there a need I can serve in I want to grow the church not just grow my gift, I'm not here to use the church to build my name, I'm here to use my name, my gifts, my resources to build the church Jesus died for. Come on somebody, the gifts will grow, the gifts will multiply, the anointing will increase if you will begin to give of yourself up. A few years ago we went to Israel with our team and we went to a Dead Sea. And Dead Sea is beautiful. If you've never been to Dead Sea, I would encourage you at least one time in your life to go into it or put a lot of salt in your bathtub and pretty much it could be a Dead Sea. A Dead Sea is a 30 miles long, 9 miles wide. Its shoreline is 1,300 feet below sea level. 7 million tons of water evaporates every day salt content is 10 times saltier than the oceans of the world. Now Dead Sea is so salty that only bacteria can survive there. It's the lowest point on earth. You can float, but nothing can grow there. Plants can't live there, fish die. Why? It looks beautiful. On the outside, it looks good. You can have so much fun in it. But there's no fruitfulness in it. Now river Jordan flows into the Dead Sea but nothing flows out of it. There's another sea in Israel, it's called the Sea of Galilee. We hear miracles about it. The Sea of Galilee is different. The Sea of Galilee is smaller but it has life. It's 13 miles long, 7 miles wide. It's the largest freshwater lake. 20 types of fish live there. See Jordan flows into the sea of Galilee and it flows out Jordan flows into the Dead Sea and it doesn't flow out One has so much salt everything dies and see some of us are the salt of the world. We're too salty We're so salty only bacteria lives in us And one characteristics We're not volunteering. We're not serving. We're not giving statistics says that 20% of the church does 80% of serving. Only 20% of the church is responsible for 80% of all the giving. So that tells us, church, I want to invite you today, not just to be someone that others can float in, but be something that grows life. Begin to serve. I want to invite you to begin to serve. Don't preoccupy yourself what gift you have. Look for where there is a need. have too many people trying to discover their gift and too little people trying to deny their selfishness and build the kingdom of God. Your gift will become evident with time. When I was started at 13 I wasn't looking for my gift. I was just looking for an opportunity where I can help it started with folding chairs and setting up our sound system early before the service but that's where the need was it was later on that the gift started to become more apparent other people spoke into it don't start right away with what my gift is where is where is the need now some of you may be starting with with the place but i don't have a passion for it well you're old enough to do something that you don't like and put a smile on it you're not a baby So sometimes there are things you will do, not because you like it, but because there's a need. Every parent knows that. Every husband knows that, every wife knows that. And so if there is a great need, we look for the need, not for the passion. And then you will find the passion and hopefully later on you'll do something that you're super passionate about. As this new service is starting in a few weeks, I want you to prayerfully consider those of you who come at 10 a.m. service and you love Hungry Gen. You're just not connected really anywhere. And of course, I know you got 20 million reasons. I forgot about them. Or maybe you feel like you don't have anything to offer. I want you, this year, do you you want to make some progress? Stop making excuses. Put those excuses aside and humble yourself. Say, you know what? I'm going to serve once a month. You know what? I'm going to go to a small group and yes, there's a danger. I'll warn people in the small group, crazy might show up, so be patient, but you will grow. You will become a better Christian. The world will become a better place because of you. There are some of you here today and you always talk to yourself out of giving because, well, you just don't understand. I have so much debt and have so much stuff and, and, and so much really excuses. What if you would give God the little that you have? Watch him multiply it. Watch him multiply it. You know, last year before our um, Generosity Sunday, a few months before the pastor, Ilya, um, Paul, we were meeting and Paul presented how much the building would cost. Gave me almost like a little heart attack. And then, we looked at how much money we raised last year for 11 months for the building, which was $137,000, but we needed 3.5. I felt felt sick to my stomach, because I knew that, you know, we have a problem. So I went back home, and I really felt that hopeless. What can we do? 3.5 million. And we barely, we're not even scratching the surface and we don't want to go into this hyper mode of fundraising I don't like that. this We're a local church and I said, like, God people have given all they could There's nothing we can do. God, you have a problem And after I finished complaining felt a still small voice ask this one question What do you have? I said, God, what does this have to do with me? have a problem God and we don't talk about me isn't whatever I have is not enough plus okay just FYI it's not enough he says yeah it's not enough to pay for the building but it's enough for you to obey me and I can do something and I said God it doesn't make sense in my head if I give what I have it still won't solve the problem but God says you're giving it to me not to the building and i remember when i presented to my wife and you know my wife first was also very hesitant as i was and then i let it kind of marinate because you know the holy ghost kind of knows how to talk to people and stuff and then a few months later i remember my wife looked at me and she says you know what i think we have to take our five loaves compared with our need at the church it's not enough she says but we have to do our part and we have to trust for a miracle that we will see As we give our best, we believe for a miracle. This is going to be a miracle. There's nothing short we'll do. Interestingly, that Sunday, first Sunday of December, as we took that step and gave what we had, now it didn't seem fair because this was our lunch. This was our savings. We prepared for it for ourselves. We didn't plan for somebody else to eat it. Us! And looking at that little lunch leaving our hands, it did feel death and a funeral. You know, three services later, somebody else gives exactly the same amount. Two weeks later, somebody else gives the same amount. And in two and a half months, we raised $800,000 for the building. In two months, God started to move upon people. Right here, I'm holding a letter from a businessman who donated an LED screen outside people who started to come even from outside of town and including Tri-Cities who don't even go to our church and said, I will help with painting, my company will take care of painting, you buy the paint. And what I started to notice is this, is it started a domino effect, I'm not saying I did anything because it was simply an obedience with what you have to God. See God is responsible for your miracle, you're responsible for your obedience. God is responsible to do a miracle in your finances but you're responsible to do a miracle of obedience. When you say God I trust you with the little, Lord I give you the little. I'm not going to stress out, I am not going to be walking in depression, I am not going to live this year in anxiety. I will give you what I have and I will trust you for what I need. I will give you what I have and I will trust you for what I need. Come on, somebody. This is a word for somebody. I will give you what I have and I will trust you for what I need. I will give you my children. I will give you my broken marriage. I will give you my broken past, Lord. I will trust you for the future. God is going to do it for Hungry Jen, and God is going to do it for you in Jesus' name. God is going to do it for you, for those of you watching us on live stream. Because this is the year of miracles. This is the year where we take limits off of God. This is the year where God will open the floodgates of heaven. This is the year that we're going to see prodigals come back home. This is the year where we'll see marriages being restored and addictions being broken. Sickness is being healed in Jesus' mighty name. Barren wombs will be open, blind eyes will be open, deaf ears will be open. Where God will take limits off of our church. Where God will take us to a level we only dreamed of. It's the God of miracles. Somebody shout Amen. I want you to place your hand upon your heart. And say Lord help me to be obedient. Whatever that is, help me to be obedient. Miracles is your specialty. Obedience is mine. Come on, just tell it to God. Maybe you're believing for healing. Maybe you're believing for deliverance. Maybe you're believing for a breakthrough. Maybe you're believing for a husband or a wife. Maybe you're believing for this harvest and you say, this is not possible. There is no way this can happen. Leave the miracles to God. Promise Him to be obedient. Just tell Jesus, Jesus, I will be obedient. Miracles is your job. Obedience is mine. I will serve where you want me to serve. I will love. I will forgive. I will give. I will be molded to your image, Jesus. Promise Him your obedience right now. Promise Him to obey. Promise Him to do what He asked you to do. He will turn water into wine. He will turn your debilitating disease into a healing report. He will take those cancer cells and turn it into a healing report. Only God will do what God can do but God says, can you give me the loaves? I will feed the masses but could you provide the loaves? Could you give me the little bit of faith that you have? Could you give me this problem right now into my hands? I will do a miracle but I ask you for your participation. I ask you for your faith. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you are a child of a Christian parents. Maybe your grandpa was a pastor or your dad was a pastor but you yourself don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know about Jesus but you don't know Him personally. Maybe you've done stuff that you cannot forgive yourself and you don't need to forgive yourself. You need to first have forgiveness from God. And maybe you feel so guilty and you feel so unworthy of Jesus' love for you. And you come into church today, it's just reminded you of everything that you have done wrong and everything that you should have done. Today Jesus is wanting to invite you to be forgiven of your sins and washed by His blood. Maybe you deconstructed and you went woke and you, you completely turned your back on Jesus and embraced the cultural version of Christianity. And today you need to come back to Jesus. Because the culture didn't die on the cross for you, Jesus did. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you are blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe and send it to someone. And don't forget, you can always share it on your social stories. Stay connected with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information on internship, prayer line, conferences, and other resources, go to hungrygen.com. Remember, better is not good enough. The best is yet to come.